0: to another episode of the streaking the lawn podcast once again my name is pierce and once again zach is with me today hello zach
1: Hello, pierce how's it going
0: i'm doing well how are you
1: i am fantastic it is excellent
0: happen? excellent it's also fantastic that we have paul back with us to talk about the football team paul hello howdy howdy how are you i'm living the dream man all right the dream is talking about uva football coming off a of big win a win a win (laughs) the column with the w went up to two the virginia cavaliers (laughs) exactly (laughs) they (laughs) defeated their in-state rivals of the old dominion monarchs a team that the virginia tech Hokies failed to do just that earlier this season as as we all know these are some of the positive takeaways <laughs> that you can tell we're very excited about i mean really we obviously we're gonna get into it the game was was disappointing in how virginia didn't blow out old dominion despite essentially dominating uh the, the game and and it's hard to use that word because they did give up the lead with a minute left to go in the game. so so you know dominating until you add up the points <laughs> that you scored is is one way to look at it, I guess. but uh you know Zach give us give us a little brief game story from from your impression of of this win that gets Virginia to two and one.
1: Yeah I mean I think you covered it well. Uh, you know UVA controlled this game inside I mean particularly between the 20s they controlled this game um Brennan Armstrong looked better not great he still had missed Mm. throws um his receivers still dropped a lot of passes Octavion Wicks had three or four drops that's concerning Mm -hmm. um UVA's offensive line I don't know well the protection looked better and Mm -hmm. in the run game um they were far better. Obviously, it's ODU versus Illinois, but UVA was able to do what it wanted to do on offense between the twenties. The problem was the turnovers, and mm-hmm. obviously, we can get into that. Frankly, I think the turnovers were more Mike Hollins plus flukes a little bit um, than it was like, oh Brennan, like just made a stupid play throwing the ball. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, like it, 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 you know, three fumbles. I felt like. Hollins just doesn't take care of the ball well and that's just the knock on him and he's gonna lose out on snaps because there are other yeah. which we can get into um Brennan's first fumble that I think that was just a hard hit like not a lot you can do there just get down sooner but like yeah. you know you take that in, in you take Brennan being aggressive running the ball with the okay he might fumble every once in a while like you, you take that and then the the last one that that that's Xavier Brown didn't pick up the blitz and Brennan didn't see it coming so I mean they have to do a better job of identifying that Mm. UVA controlled this game and there were probably like eight individual plays that could have ended this game for UVA (laughs) like if especially if you look at that fourth quarter though there's Lavelle Davis if he's three if his right foot is three inches farther in bounds even two inches that's a touchdown that Mm -hmm. end you know, there's ODU had two. They had fourth and eight, and fourth and fifteen on their last drive. One of which was wiped out by a, a pass interference penalty on a pass that went ten yards beyond where the receiver, where Ali Jennings, could have gotten to. If there hadn't been the flag, and then there was just a hero-like crazy throw from Hayden Wolf on fourth and eight, like to the opposite side of the field to tight end. I mean, there's just enough things went right for ODU, and UVA didn't close. That I think make this game that probably could have been, and UVA just didn't convert in the red zone, this game that probably should have been 30 to 14, 16 to 14. And that's hard to evaluate up. how do we feel after being mm-hmm. one? Um, the positives are there, the negatives are there as well, long story
0: short. Yeah. No, I mean it all makes sense. I think it sums up how probably everyone listening to this is feeling. But Paul, when you look at how how you're taking a a look at the I mean it's game three right like we have yeah. some things to compare this to now um we've seen what odu is capable of though they're not a better team than virginia tech is by any margin you know that this wasn't that surprising that they made a game of it but it was going to require virginia to make mistakes and like you said zach whether those are warranted mistakes or mistakes that just happen you know sometimes your quarterbacks get blindsided hit and they drop yeah. the ball like that happens to everybody so what in how do you how do you how are you looking at this win? Uh, but also, how are you looking at it compared to the first two games? You know, what have you seen growth or lack of
2: growth? Yeah, I mean, growth-wise, positives. Yeah, you know, we we saw a little bit of uh, the Brennan that we've all come to know and love. You know on on that last drive when it was crunch time, Brennan mm. Armstrong got the team in a position to win. That they they. they And I don't know if that's kind of the mental breakthrough that it's, that, that seems to be where Tony Elliott has come, Tony Elliott has come back to and, and Brennan's post-game comments, there was, he was very blunt and very straightforward about how much he and the others were pressing, were frustrated, were were expecting so much more out of themselves and how much of a, a burden it was to not be living up to that. Um, so I think that's that's a potential positive is is on that last drive when it's this is what it looks like for us to just relax and play like yeah it's it's maybe the most stressful situation of the game mm-hmm. but there's nothing to do but can you know the only option now is to go out and perform and they did it and, and I'm hoping that that's something that that they can stand on and build on as they go into this the other big positive is is the emergence of Xavier Brown I, when we talked last mm-hmm. week one of the things that I had, had uh, kind of harped on was that the lack of running game was as much from impatient running backs running straight into the holes and not looking for their cutbacks. I think Xavier Brown showed us a lot more patience, a lot more change of direction. Um, you know, this is He was the Kentucky player of the year coming out of, out of high school. Mm-hmm. Um, so he has a, a lot of legit talent, even if he doesn't have the four or five stars next to his name that you know, from the recruiting services. Um, but you know, this is his first sort of major, major playing time. And he puts up close to a hundred yards in the ground. Um, you know, definitely we saw things li- like that, that blitz pickup, uh, that he missed, that are things that, yeah, that's, that's why you're not going to be a, you know, you're not going to get 20 carries a game, maybe because mm-hmm. there's a little bit of freshman stuff there, but, um, I think there's, there were things that the offense put on film that the coaches can point to and say more of this. Uh, There are things that as they're getting into their game prep, as they're getting into that mental side of things, they can say to each other, that's how we got to be. So, and and the defense showed up again. I mean, that's, that's, that's the other part Mm of this is last year we were expecting, can, you know, can the defense not screw things up enough to undo all of the good the offense is doing. And this year we're getting a little bit more of the basketball experience of the defense is keeping us is keeping UVA in games mm-hmm. until the offense can find its rhythm and find its identity. Um, so that's, you know, uh, I am I, not, I wasn't thrilled coming out of the game. I'm still not thrilled about it a couple of days later, but for, you know, taking a step back, taking a breath, and trying to see how this win might fit into, you know, the, the development of this program under Tony Elliott, the development of the 2020 team. I think that's those are some storylines to sort of that would be the through point to look forward to.
0: So my my follow-ups actually, I mean, uh, that all that all sounds good and, and makes sense to me, but one of the first things you noted was Armstrong on that final drive and being a little looser and making plays, maybe because of that, you know, or or just because it was finally crunch crunch time for a guy who's we've seen capable of doing that, of leading Virginia to last second victories. How where is the balance between that Brennan Armstrong? and his comments post-game and previous comments we heard from coach elliot about uh, the approach he wants armstrong in this office to take and you know i don't remember the exact wording of it but essentially saying like i want to scale back some of the the gunslinger make it up as i go along uh you know i think even at the time those comments you're sort of like whoa you know i'm sure has been pretty successful so i sort of want to keep doing whatever whatever it is yeah, that he feels yeah. like doing where do you see that balance i mean obviously coach is capable of adjusting and playing to his uh you know player strengths but it's not that it, coach Elliott's point was wrong either like you know if brendan wants to play professionally he's gonna need to do a little more of the read progression etc right. so where where are we after three games looking at you know how how both of those people the coach and the quarterback can can balance that those needs
2: yeah i think it's it's it is sort of a round peg square hole kind of issue and they're trying to maybe you know taking some of the edges off the square and they, like i think they're just sort of feeling each other out and right it's you know if anybody who's ever had to um, you know, I'm a big old nerd. I did debate and theater and stuff in high school. <laughs> like there comes a point where as you're learning a script or, or something that's written and you're trying to learn it word for word, it, it's really awkward when it first comes out. But as you learn it, then you get to do more with it because you're not spending all your mental energy trying to remember exactly the form and the structure. You're, you're able to uh-huh. do a little bit more sort of that poetic license. So I think that's that's kind of you know what we're watching right now is somebody learning to dance not somebody who's ready for prime time and 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 i think as as they get more comfortable in the structure that's that's what i'm kind of hoping that last drive was for them was this is what a happy medium looks like this is Mm -hmm. this is what it is when it's look, we've, we've got the structure. We need the coaches maybe lo- loosening up the reins a little bit and saying, Brendan, go perform. And Brendan rec- being able to have those gears start clicking of what the offense is supposed to look like, supposed to feel like, and they're getting into a rhythm and they're starting to get the steps down. So, I, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things that, that's almost impossible to tell if you're not in the locker room with them every day, if you're not on the practice field with them every day. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but that's, that's and it's also one of those, that's that can be something that, even the weirdest thing sometimes you, know, you see you see teams that develop the you know mascots or rituals or we remember you know when this team started doing swag surf a few years ago mm-hmm. that was one of those sort of they clicked and found their own groove sort of moments mm-hmm. and you're just kind of hoping that that's going to happen but it's it's one of those sort of magic chemistry things that either happens or doesn't for a team and really as fans all we can do is, is cross our fingers and hope it happens sooner rather than later.
0: All right. So, Zach, you probably have found your way into the locker room and practice fields. Uh, I imagine you've got some rooftop access at least. So, you know, anything to add to to that? Uh,
1: I mean, yeah, they don't let us in the locker room. (laughs) Um, But I think that also part of of Elliot trying to cater to Armstrong a little bit is that specifically early in this game, they look to air the ball out. Like they they took some shots throughout this game. I mean, we opened up, I think the first possession, the first two plays was a deep shot down the right sideline to Dontavion Wicks. He dropped one and where he sort of had to come back for the ball and fight through coverage. And then the second one was overthrown. So I think that Elliott is being aware of the fact that you got to let Brennan chuck the ball a little bit. Like you got to let these weapons try that just a little bit. And we also saw some of that success. I mean, we saw the Keeton Thompson... 40 plus yard catch on third and 17 mm-hmm. uh, on so, sort of a scramble play. And, and so I think that, you know, you do still get some of that um, Brennan being able to just, Elliot is, is at least aware that he needs to give these players some shots and some opportunities. Um, and they're going to need to convert on those. Don Tavion Wicks can't drop the number of balls that he did. And, mm-hmm. and I mean, Elliot was willing to throw the ball up to Wicks at the end of the game with, you know, 16 seconds left to give him a shot at winning it outright. So I think that um, the coaching staff is potentially becoming a little bit more aware of the fact that they got to give these guys some looks beyond just sort of scheming everything um, too, too much. Okay, uh, But that also comes with, you know, actually being able to pull it off. And so hopefully, you um, They'll be able to do that more consistently. I mean Brennan just straight up missed some throws again and and you know that's not that's not acceptable really for the standard of play that that is expected out of him. Obviously you can miss some throws, but mm-hmm. I mean he's missing guys short, he's missing guys long, and thank goodness that he did come in with that drive at the end of the game because if not then we're looking at we're obviously we're looking at a loss and we're looking at this whole season far differently sitting out
0: yeah. No, I mean that's a good point. Like, I honestly just sort of put it out of my mind. What would we right. be talking about had, had it, it, it stayed a loss? Um, what, uh what have what if the coaching staff said since the game? You know, in these pressers, that that um, Zach, to you, you know, connects with like where you see this team going, like uh, as they get into you know ACC play.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that the mistakes are very obvious and just how costly they were is something that's been weighing on Elliot, because, I mean, you look at this game and you say, you just, you pull up the box score, which I'm gonna real quick. I mean, the yards that, that UVA put up, they put up 500 yards of offense, 513 yards. That's legit. Like that's <laughs> successful. That's a successful day at the office. Right. Um, and so it's a hard balance. It, you know, it, it's what I mentioned earlier, um, but I think Elliot's pleased largely, while also understanding that, I mean, ball security is something that they've harped on, like, since day one. And obviously, every football coach doesn't want you to turn the ball over. But it's the first drill they get into and practice every single day. It's what they're focusing on. And he was asked today about, you know, when you've been focusing on this so much, and you still don't do it well, where do you go from there? And he basically just talked about additional accountability and all that. So, um mm. I think he's pleased, at least, from weak Illinois to weak old Dominion mm-hmm. in the sense that the offense was able to put stuff together, the defense stayed consistent, um, defense made plays when it was necessary. And really, I mean, I think once again we somehow got Josh Ahern. We got Josh Ahern matched up on a wide receiver on ODU's you know, number one wide receiver. And that touchdown at the end of the first half, mm-hmm. that doesn't happen. We're just looking at little plays and coverage, broken coverages and all that, 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 you know, uh, allow other teams opportunities. But I, I think Elliot is at least understanding that they're progressing and he sees that, um, but also knows that things you got to flip, you know, the, the switch has to flip quickly um, as you get into ACC play, because these teams like Syracuse and Duke, who we predicted wins over going into the season, are tougher than maybe was expected.
0: We, we is an interesting word for the did, next game. Did you get picked... against Syracuse or Duke? I, there's no way I picked a win at at, at the Carrier Dome. No. Really? I, 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 I don't know. I'll go back and listen. I i would be floored if i you you were in my my preseason optimism if i if i did i'll go back and check the tapes
1: i remember you bringing up how bringing in new coordinators doesn't like you know
0: yeah that's true
2: that's true Maybe i definitely I, I predict i predicted that robert and i would do to syracuse when he had done to virginia for a couple of years and have enough of a boneheaded play play calling game we <laughs> but but well, that, we'll was, that wasn't that wasn't on UVA's you... own strength. That was. <laughs> Maybe you're right. Maybe you're
0: right. I, I did, but regardless, point still stands. I think we all picked Duke wins, and Duke looks a lot better. But before we get into talking about the next opponent, um, I think we should jump a little into our recurring segment this season called uh, "How's the O Line Look?" Did I,
2: that, Paul? That better. was the
0: the theme music. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, I, I, there were, there weren't as many things that were complete head scratchers to me. Um, there I, other than another couple of tie furnished snaps that were on the high side, um, which I would beseech anyone who listens to this, telling me snapping the ball wrong, that if you're snapping into shotgun that much, you want to dead snap it. The center should be holding the nose of the football instead of holding it. Like he would throw the ball. Mm. but that's a level of nitpicking that nobody really needs. Um, oh, Coach Wiley. It's driving me nuts. Um, <laughs> I did see, I saw that there were at least a there was at least one series that Justice Johnson came in at center. I don't know if that's because Ty Furnish was banged up or if they were, again, you know, we, we talked about it. How do you, how do you, what are you you're, you're trying to find the right combination to that lock. Um, but I, you know, I saw a lot more to like, um, Brennan didn't seem to be facing anywhere near the same kind of pressure that he was, um, against Illinois, you know, obviously different style of defense, different, different level of competition. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you, you would, even if, you know, if this is a team that struggled with a big 10 defensive line, yeah, maybe ODU is the kind of defensive line and, and linebackers that they can handle. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, think it was, it was, a, a not a dramatic step up, not a dramatic step back. I think pretty much in line with the kind of development that that we'll need to see from them. Right. Um and uh if if running backs like Xavier Brown and Paris Jones are are gonna have that that positive experience to build on, I will say I think we've probably seen the last of Mike Hollett for a while. Um okay. other than maybe as a third-down blitz pickup. You know, he is he's a really good pass protector. Mm. But the way Tony Elliott talked about that fumble, that, that fumble against the goal line uh, in, in the post game press conference, uh, and specifically the reaction to it. Uh, here, this is a direct quote When you're on the two yard line, any running back, I'm on the two yard line, I'm squeezing that ball and I'm finding a way to get into the end zone. We find a way to put it on the ground and then try to say it was the quarterback's fault. Those are the things where you say, if anything, my bad, I'll fix it. So obviously none of the three of us and probably no one listening were on the sidelines when Mike Collins came back after that fumble. But if, mm. if that's what Elliot is saying is that Mike Collins came back from that fumble was like, yo, it was a bad handoff. That seems like the kind of accountability and mental stuff that Elliot is a, it's very animated about mental mistakes. I That was one thing I definitely noticed being in the stadium for the first time this season on, on Saturday was, when we, there was the substitution issue on field goal, there were, you know, the, the hands to the face from Ben Smiley, that those kind of just stupid things that was what got him more upset and more out onto the field and into a guy's face as he was coming off. And then when he was sort of talking X's and O's with, you know, with, with the offense or something, it was much more sort of teaching and coaching. Um, But I, 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 that, that is, I think, going to be an object lesson in what he expects of this team. And if that means Mike Hollins, you know, this we talked about it in preseason, we talked about it last season. Why isn't Mike Hollins seeing the field? He's got fumble issues. And if he's now compounding that by not taking responsibility for it, again, mm-hmm. I don't know that that's the case. That's my extrapolation from what Tony Elliott said in postgame, but that's disappointing.
1: Yeah. I can add some more to that just from today's presser, uh, again, with a direct quote. Uh, he says that it could have been a mesh mesh issue on the fumble. I'm not discrediting that, but I want to see these guys say, Hey coach, it was my fault. It was my fault. I'll fix it. I'm going to work. I think that's just collectively as a team, that's a mindset that we've got to change. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he said basically, uh, back when he was a running backs coach, that if a running back put the ball on the ground, uh, in the end zone or, or, you know, in the red zone, um, they're, you know, they're, kaput- they're not, they're not getting back in. Um, and so I would subscribe to that. What surprised me was today on the depth chart, Mike Collins was still listed as the second running back. Okay. Uh, he got replaced by Demik Starling as the uh, starting kick returner. Mm. I Don't expect this depth chart to necessarily be the word of God for them moving forward because they had Mikhail Boley as the starting left tackle for last year's de- or last week's depth chart um so I I I still think Brown will probably get the second most touches slash snaps um but yeah I mean Hollins is I yeah yeah. he's he's been here too long he's made too many of these mistakes and it's just unfortunate um I I will say like just off of the offensive line guys graded out well like if you just look at like FF numbers um you look at Derek Devine was really good in in, in pass protection. Um, Logan Taylor was, was, was impressive, especially against the run. Jonathan Leach continues to be the weak link of this offensive line in a lot of ways. Furnish was better. Uh, I think the Justice Johnson thing, I don't know what that was. I I wanted to ask Elliot about it today, but I I could not make it to to the presser because of school, um, which is unfortunate, but. Nerd. (laughs) Um, But. Yeah, I'm curious to see if, if Bowley gets another chance, uh, maybe at right tackle instead of Leach, or if they keep moving Taylor around there. Uh, right. I also think, Paul, I, I want to throw it to you here, and I know that it never goes well when we try and ask each other questions, uh, but in terms of the max protect with getting more tight ends in there, do you think that was more a result of Billy Kemp not being available for the game, so they had to use tight ends more, or do you think that was a plan sort of like going into the week? Because they only found out about Kemp, I think, Friday night. That he was going to be at. do you think that they specifically um wanted to bring more people into the box and let their receivers sort of have to go you know deal with obviously like fewer receivers um out there and, like or, or was that you know more personnel based and do you think that that's going to be something that they use going forward
2: yeah that's a good question i i, I you've certainly seen um if, when you're trying to take more deep shots, having, having max protect, you know, you've, you've got one of two options. Do you put more people out there than the defense can cover or do you bring in more people to block than the defense can get around? Uh, so if, if you're having issues with, with keeping Armstrong upright, I, I think bringing, you know, you, you've identified the, the sort of counterintuitive solution sometimes to how do we get the ball out faster isn't necessarily the answer. It's How do we get the ball out better? um and and having those those extra bodies um it also gives you the chance to make the defense account for more things that you if you've got the ends you know you got a guy split out out wide it's a little more obvious what he's doing you bring a, a tight end and even if he's you know off the line of scrimmage or or sort of halfway out to the slot uh it can give you some more creative looks um so i hope that that's something that that's an element of the offense they're working on establishing Um, one of the things that this offense has not done well, even putting out 500 something yards is giving injecting some sort of unpredictability. Um, uh, I, I went through and of the the vast majority of Virginia snaps have been out of shotgun this year, not a Mm -hmm. huge surprise. That's sort of where college football goes. Tony Ellis made no, no secret of that being his sort of preferred offense but of the times virginia has been under center they had thrown two passes all season so it it is a if they were under center they were going to be running that doesn't help the running game that doesn't help the passing game so you know you wonder if it's it are they going from Smaller, you know, getting deeper into the playbook, being able to add in some of the you know established tendencies so you can establish your counters, um, okay. but doing something like getting more tight ends on the field will help you do that because you can get into a quote run package with two or three tight ends and have a grant mish or a josh rawlings or or even a carson gay um you know it's not the deepest position group for virginia so that is one one kind of issue there Let me about uh, second wood man i was i was getting there i was remembering that you know i'm hey look i i cover recruiting i rec i cover the guys that got scholarship offers second Wood, i'm sure is a very nice guy uh he just slipped my mind. So um yeah, I, I so I'll, we'll see. I I you know going more more double tight end is you know you, you've seen a lot of that from some of the innovative pro offenses that recognizing the mismatch uh you can get from a tight end position, it, it helps to have a couple more of those guys in the field. So it could also help I could see it help Brennan get into a rhythm of having more sort of safety blankets, um, you know, guys that can take that five, six, seven yard pass and just keep the ball moving forward.
0: All right. Excellent. Um, let's uh, let's hand out our our stars our stars for the game. Uh, first person to raise their hand gets to go first.
2: Zach gets to go first because otherwise I'm just going to say Cam Butler again, and I went first last week. So. Okay, sounds good. Zachary,
1: um, I will go with Keaton Thompson. Uh, kept the sticks moving. Was really the security blanket that this offense needed um, in the passing game. 12 targets, nine catches, 118 yards. Um, that's that's legit. I mean, that, that that's exactly what we needed. Uh,
0: highlight play.
1: Highlight play came third and six, uh, I, I believe, in the fourth quarter. I don't actually it, I think it was the drive that they made the field goal, not the one that they missed it. I could be wrong, though. Mm. Um, but basically had a catch where he was looked like he was like 11 feet in the air <laughs> ball and bringing it down while getting hit um, just beyond the sticks. Obviously the, the sort of 40, whatever, 30 to 40 yard uh, catch he had w- w- was big, but um, he continues to be the guy that seems to be stepping up on the offense with Wick. Mm not performing, Lavelle Davis Jr. being sort of that, like, okay, he's going to get three catches a game probably, and they might each go for 20 yards, but you can't really rely on that as much. Um, Keaton being a guy that you can rely on, especially with no camp, um, is important. He played a ton of snaps, 70-plus snaps, I believe. Um, and so, I mean, he was really the Ironman for the UVA offense. After being a, sort of one of the few leaders to to speak up, uh, in the Illinois game, it's good to see him continuing to progress, you know, in his uh, 13th year of of college.
2: All right. Sounds good. Mr. Wiley. All right. Well, Cam Cam Butler's still on the table, so I'm going to take Cam Butler again. Uh, I had him down for two (laughs) two sacks. The stat sheet only has him down for one, but he did have, uh, at least an additional shared tackle for loss. Um, in addition to those, he was also very, very animated in drawing false starts. Yes. Uh, that he had, <laughs> there were at least three times that that he was not letting the officials miss that, that the, uh, the the left tackle for Old Dominion had had gotten a head start. I like that. Um, so you know, you gotta you gotta count those. You know, they're almost like a, a tackle for a loss. Yeah, uh, and. At maybe more specifically than, than my star of the week being cam Butler it's cam Butler's I think right index finger um, which came good. out of the game at a 90 degree angle from where it was supposed to be at one point yeah. um, which I you know I thought he was just gesturing to get a sub and then I saw oh that's he's not supposed to be able to point in both of those directions at once <laughs> uh, so credit to him for for playing hurt uh, and still playing really well uh, I, I think he's really proving to be the leader of the defense um, close second would be chico bennett also had a very strong game
0: all right that's excellent and you all left the easy one so i'll go with xavier brown uh i mean you know you we, we, a little a little shout out uh to making the game winning kick for uh brendan uh Farrell, but uh you know, also missed a kick that would ice it away. So Xavier Brown gets, gets my star instead. And I mean, it just, uh, you already hit on it, uh, but it looks like they really have something, which is funny because we were saying similar things about Paris Jones after the Richmond game in particular, but uh, Brown, you know, this looks like a good duo. If, if, if the odd man out is Mike Collins because some, some fumble issues, Virginia at least has guys that uh, have produced, and uh, Brown looks like a revelation, um, and and to be a freshman coming in and and looking as natural, uh, like you were alluding to, Paul finding the the right space to go to and and producing 88 yards, uh, that's that bodes really really well um, for this year's team and of course for the future too. So shout out to the freshman there. We've uh, we've been talking at great length, but. You know, we want to talk a little bit about Syracuse Friday night on the road, whatever they're calling the carrier dome these days, the stats very much support the orange who are undefeated. They're three and zero. the spread right now appears to be 11 uh, Syracuse coming off a, a narrow victory against Purdue uh, blew out Yukon and uh, blew out uh, Louisville to start the season. So you know the resumes fine, but they look like a team that that's going to score a lot of points. So, where where do you guys see
2: the who's ending up uh, Friday night? Yeah, we got got the news again today that that Billy Kemp's likely to miss another game um you know this being a friday night game sort of a short if it was an injury that's the sort of you'd expect but w- whatever illness he has that's keeping him dehydrated enough to miss two games i i want no part of uh, that sounds Ooh, very unpleasant yeah. so uh i hope he gets to feeling better soon but you know being down an offensive weapon against a team that's you know shown the kind of offensive firepower that Virginia fans enjoyed the last couple of years, you know, for, for all of his head scratching moments, there was a whole lot of, of this offense looking really good um, that, that a nine back offense. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it'll, it'll be a good test for the defense of, of whether this sort of multiple look that, that Riz, can put on the field. Um, you know, they, they talked about the philosophy being easy to play and hard to decipher, um, you know, whether, whether there's enough on tape for an eye to pick apart. Um yeah, you know, yeah, so it, it'll be a good test. We'll we'll see if the offense can can build off some stuff. I'm I'm certainly, you know, as we kind of alluded to, less confident about this game than I was a few weeks ago. But um, you know, short week, anything can happen, everybody's out of their normal rhythm. Um, so uh yeah, I'm I'm excited to see how it plays out, and I'm I'm really am um not not sure what I think of, of what's gonna happen. Um all right. Sounds about right, Zach.
1: You know, I I think I've changed my mind about three times since Paul started talking. Um, <laughs> I, first of all, I think 11 is crazy. I, 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 I think, I mean, maybe just markets are overreacting to, to Illinois and to UVA only beating ODU by two and don't quite understand the nuances. I think mm. probably six or seven would be a better bet. Um, I think UVA is going to win. And I, and I hate it when I say that they're going to win when they're not favored to because it just makes me out to be, you know, the young, optimistic guy. But <laughs> I think it'll be like 21-17. I don't think Syracuse is going to put up big numbers. Mm. Um, I am confident, weirdly, in the secondary. Yeah. Um, and I think that while Syracuse can put the ball on the ground, the UVA defense has proven that while it will make a couple of mistakes each game as any defense in the sport of football. will. Um, it's, it's solid and, and, and they have largely been limiting those big plays. And I think it, it goes back to something that Paul was mentioning where um, against from the Illinois podcast, where, where the, the defense is, is forcing a lot of short runs. Yeah. There might be one or two that they, they break through, but but the defensive line continues to be solid. I think, yeah, I don't know if I said 21-17, yeah, something around there. Then the offense will, will just get going a little bit, and, and, and that'll be enough. Um, I'm very much expecting to be wrong and for UVA to lose by 14, but mm. um, I don't know. I, I think we might we might get a little bit lucky here.
2: I, I think that number is big just to chime in real quick and, and I'll go sure. back over to you, Pierce. Most, most of the sort of analytic systems have it as Syracuse by eight to nine, which was about where the line opened. Uh, I think the line opened at about Syracuse by nine or nine and a half. So a little strange that it moved that strongly uh, in, in favor of Syracuse. But um, I, I think if, if you back me into a corner, I would say, yeah, Syracuse by a touchdown or less is probably what I think would happen. Um, but.
0: I think that this is an exciting opportunity to see if the offense can build off that last game-winning drive like all the things we were talking about earlier you know if they shake off some of this mental block and and can get anywhere close to last year's production the big if there of course is that the o-line is totally different and that we haven't seen the same production from wicks or or armstrong but we got a running back or a couple running backs that we're feeling good about and uh you know more experience from the offensive line so hopefully uh capable of of stimming some of the the mistakes they were making earlier i think uh, the big issue is you're going to see that that uh, Syracuse is much better than Old Dominion um, and is going to run the football like it. So, despite the defense playing fairly well in in the two home wins um, and even well enough to have Virginia in the conversation of that Illinois game by by forcing turnovers, I think they're going to have to force multiple turnovers to keep Virginia in the game, um, even if the the, the offense you know shows a little bit of improvement so I, i'm not expecting a win but i bet if they do win that's how it happened <laughs> the offense clicked and the defense source turnovers because i don't think they're going to slow down the rushing attack for syracuse even if they play well so i'm worried about what if there's a mistake and it leads to you know q scoring on back-to-back possessions uh virginia goes a three and out and and then you know the orange just milk the clock you know the, you know the rest of the game with their dominant running game. So we'll see. Uh, hopefully they win. hopefully you're right Zach and, and and hopefully preseason Zach was right and we'll check the tips on preseason fall and Pierce as well. but uh thanks for listening everybody. Of course there'll be plenty of uh, more pre-game coverage uh, and postgame coverage uh, before Friday and after Friday night uh, at streakon.com. Uh, send us, you know, give us, give us a little, a little comment, a little, a little review on your podcast platform. It's been a while since I've asked for that, so if you if you wouldn't mind giving us a rating and and a few good words, uh, uh, and however you listen to this, that would be very helpful to us. So, uh, thanks for listening again, and we'll catch you next week. Go Hoos!